Howdy, my friends, and welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast, episode 160. Yes, you made it to the final episode. No, just kidding. We're not even close. We still have another couple chapters to go, maybe more than a couple. Anyway, hey, we are on Romans chapter 13, and last time we finished off at verse E11. Well, we started up, I guess we stopped at 10. So we're on verse 11, but I want to read verse 10 again because... Um, it helps us transition to verse 11, because as we've been saying through this whole thing, context matters. The context matters. The context matters. So let's uh, read verse 10. He says, love does not, no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to a neighbor. We should, um, we should love people. Now, Remember that great story uh, in Luke where uh, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but uh, in the story, there's a man who is going along the road and he is beaten up and a priest comes by and sees him and crosses the other side of the road, doesn't help him. A Levite comes by, sees him laying there and doesn't help him. And then a Samaritan comes by and puts him on his own animal, takes him to an inn, puts uh you know, puts medicine upon his wounds and pays the innkeeper and says to the innkeeper, you know, if there's anything else, um, I'll pay it next time. I'll take care of this guy. And, you know, when, because Jesus, Jesus tells the story because he's asked, who's my neighbor. Right. And so he asks the people that were listening, you know, who is this, who's the neighbor to this man? And they say, you know, the one who helped him. And he said, go and do likewise. And so I was telling that story in a chapel service here at, our camp for a few, I guess it was last year. You, oh, two years ago, since we didn't have camp much last year. Um, and I told this story and I said, so who, when it says, love your neighbor, who's your neighbor? And this little girl in the front row, she's probably 11 years old. She goes, Oh no. And I was like, she gets it. She gets it. <laughs> who's your neighbor? Oh no. Yeah. Everybody, everybody, everybody's your neighbor. And this is one of those things when you're talking about loving your neighbor, it's an, uh Oh thing. Oh no. Oh no. How am I going to do that? Well, the, the key is recognizing who you are, recognizing what Jesus has done for you. And then it's a whole lot easier to love other people. When you recognize that your great need for a savior Romans chapter one through three, right? And what he's done for you, Romans chapter four through eight. Um, we, we recognize what he's done for us. And then it's a whole lot easier to do the things he's called us to do. Oh, that's Romans 12 and 13 so far. Yeah, we do those things because of what's done for us. So with that in mind, he says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law and do this and do this. He says, he doesn't just tell us this stuff is true. He says, do it, do it. Isn't, this is one of those things I think is, is probably the hardest thing. Um, it's putting stuff into action. You know, it's doing it. it it's easy to know it. It's hard to do it. Uh, I heard somebody say not long ago, they were talking about, um, they were talking about how sometimes there are those religious leaders Christian leaders, church leaders, Christian leaders, whatever, who have had these 
great falls, right? They've, fall, they, they've fallen into sin. And usually it's not that they've fallen into sin, that they've walked into it and that they were in a position of such power and, um, and so admired and put so high on a pedestal that they were able to get away with all kinds of stuff. Anyway, in the midst of this discussion about, you know, why does this happen? And, how, you know, you know, this pastor was, you know, he was, you know, he had 15 doctorates and 24, you know, whatever's. And the, the point came up is, you know what a person's education says about their relationship with Jesus? You know what the letters next to uh, a pastor's name, the master of divinity, doctor of whatever, you know what that has, you know what that says about his spirituality and about his relationship with the Lord? Nothing, nothing. Knowing a lot of stuff doesn't change you. Knowing a lot of stuff doesn't change you. Now it should, it should change you. I mean, information should change your attitude. I mean, that's at the very least, you know, having the information should change you when the more you read it, you're reading God's word, the more it should change you, but it doesn't, it doesn't automatically do that, right? There's this whole matter of our will. Um, one of the things I loved about being a, a being a, a pastor and by preaching weekly was it was so good for me. It was so good for me because it kept me, it kept me in that spot of, of humility where I, 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 you know, when you get up and share it, you got to go out and live it because if you don't, it means nothing. You know, and I, I used to say to my church all the time, I used to tell them, parents, it's a dangerous thing to bring your children to church. It's a dangerous thing to bring your children to church. And I would kind of always said that for shock value, but it is a dangerous thing to bring your children to church because they're going to hear the same thing you heard and they're going to watch to see if you do it. And if you listen and you sit there and you say amen and then you go home and you don't do it, that means something to your kids. You've put a big stamp on the word of God that says optional. You've got a big stamp, big rubber stamp when it comes to obeying God that says optional. Well, it is optional, but it's optional in the matter in the matter of we have a choice. It's not optional in the matter of like this is what God said to do, so therefore I'm going to do it. You're right. That's that should be our 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 mindset as as Christians, saying this is what God has commanded, so therefore that's what I'm going to do. And I think so many people walk in weakness and in failure and in defeat because they they haven't decided. They haven't, as a Christian, said, no, I'm going to obey God. This is what I'm going to do. If God says it, I'm going to do it. When I read the Bible and I see that God is saying to do this thing or not to do this thing, then that's what I'm going to do. And it's not going to be a big argument conversation in my head because that's where we get into trouble is when we have find ourselves in that spot of temptation and we start rationalizing and justifying and and making all sorts of different excuses for why it's okay or why it's an exception to the rule rather than just dealing with it with the attitude of, no, I don't do that. I don't do that because this is who I am. I don't have to do that. Oh, that's Romans chapter six. 
I don't have to do that. I'm not ruled by that anymore. I'm free from that old master. That's Romans chapter 7. Remember that stuff. And so, again, the whole hard part about this, when he says, and do this, that's the hard part, right? We have to deliberately say, okay, I'm going to do this. One of the things I used to try to do back in my preaching days, and I, it was to tell people before they left, don't leave without an action plan. Don't leave without a way to implement, right? Because people listen. They listen, they hear it, and they say, amen. Okay, we'll make a decision about what you're going to do, and then come up with a plan of implementation. Like verse 11 starts off, and do this. God bless you. Talk to you next time.